It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. Welcome once again to an Estate Planning Essentials program. I'm sitting here virtually with Dallas Estate Planner and Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen, and I, my name is Don Crawford, Jr., the General Manager and Grateful Owner of KAAM Radio. And our goal today, like every day, is to always promote that imperative, which is to protect your family, your assets, and you at all times. And that is Michael's job. And I say to you, how are you, Michael Cohen? Doing well, Don. How are you? And I wish you and yours a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And the same to you. And I was going to say I'm mighty adequate because that's what you said twice this morning already. Um, (laughs) And I am. I'm mighty blessed as well. And uh, I think the audience is going to be blessed by the program today because this one's different. It's not the typical a paradigm that we fulfill where we lay out a topic and then you address it for 10 or 15 minutes and lay out all the the issues from A to Z. Today it's going to be more Q&A, but you're going to be not only giving the answers, but you're going to also present the questions. Yeah, I just thought I'd do a few things that are pretty frequently asked about estate planning, a lot of things that people have misconceptions about. And so I thought, well, maybe I should clear up those misconceptions because uh, maybe what they have, they thought they had what was best, maybe not so best uh, for them. And mm-hmm. so I thought that at least they should at least understand some of the common questions and issues that uh, we see on a daily basis. So the first question, uh, quite frankly, is should I own my assets jointly with another person? Does that does that cover all bases? Uh, a lot of people think just because you have a joint account that the good news is that you avoid probate. Uh, but they don't think about all the other issues. The first thing is it really doesn't necessarily avoid probate because when the second person dies, you, it may just delay the probate because when the second person dies, now it's an individual account, and so then you would eventually have to probate. It may avoid probate on the first one to die, but not on the, not on the second one. Right. Uh, Count of step, you know, you know, stays as it is. Um, the second thing about that, um, so a lot of people just always think, oh, what can I do just to avoid probate? And they don't think about all the other issues that the impact of what the uh, what they've done. So, for example, on a joint account, also, let's say that I'll just say parent has a joint account with child. Oh, so this way, if anything ever happens to me, either life or death that my child could take care of things. All right, well, what's another problem with that? Let's say the child uh, gets sued. Uh, Remember, the joint account is subject to the creditors of both owners. So let's say the child gets in a personal injury accident and has inadequate insurance. The assets you had in that joint account 
uh, could be subject to your child's creditors. Does that bother you? He said, oh, my child will never be sued. Okay, well, maybe people don't sue in this world, but let's just say, or maybe you're lucky, and that's fine. That's great. It's just that you understand the risk that you may have when you open up an account like that. Uh, if I do that, does it automatically, do all, are all joint assets go directly to the survivor? Not necessarily. So let's say you have joint ownership of real estate. Well, and if you, let's say you didn't have a will. So let me give you an example of, uh, some, let's say you have a husband and wife, uh, the, one, the one who dies, husband or wife, has children from a prior marriage. That, that asset, that real estate, doesn't automatically go to the survivor. It goes by laws of intestacy unless you have a will. So even if you had a homestead, even if you had a homestead, then you would have to probate the will. Even if the, And the will said, oh, everything goes to my wife. Well, you still have to probate it because the will's not valid until the court says it's valid. So if you have a joint ownership uh, of real estate, um, then to transfer it, you may have to probate a will. So just joint ownership doesn't do it. And furthermore, let's say that you wanted to sell that real estate and you're owning it jointly with spouse. Can you, and let's say your spouse is incapacitated, mentally incapacitated, how can you sell the property? Can't I just sell the property if I'm a joint owner? No, you have to deal with the other person's interest. Is Let's say it was community property, you have to deal with that uh, the fact that it is community property and that person who lacks mental capacity he needs to give you some authority. What kind of authority? That's when the power of attorney comes into play. If you don't have a power of attorney, you may have to go to court to seek guardianship. Oh, my goodness. So uh, so joint just because you have jointly owned property doesn't mean that you have all authority, uh, If it's especially in dealing with real estate. Uh, another thing is that if, you know, We've told the story before, uh, a lot of times there's more than one kid, and maybe your will says, uh, all to my children equally, and you have a joint account with one kid, the in-town kid, and you, you might think, oh, either in-town kid will take care of the others, or you may have thought that the will took care of things. The way that a bank account works is the signature card controls over the will, just like a beneficiary designation of a life insurance policy or IRA or, uh, you know, annuity or whatever, uh, a lot of times the beneficiary designation or the ownership as set forth on the signature card at the bank supersedes the will. And some people just don't realize that. And so uh, I, I, it reminds me of the story of the natural story where I had uh, the mom, who was uh, widowed, <clears throat> had like 10 children, and um, uh, there was an in-town child, and she made the joint account with the in-town child, uh, and he's, the question that he proposed to me was, okay, do I have a legal, the, the will said everything to the 10 kids, but he was on a joint account with his mom, mom died. He said, do I have a legal obligation to, you know, pay equally to my siblings? And I said, no, you have a moral obligation, not a legal obligation. His response was, they had, none of them have called mom lately anyway. 
So in other words, I don't think that's what mom intended. But, you know, when you have a joint account, I know you trust that joint account owner. And that always happens. You always trust them. But uh, you never know uh, what the future holds. And it could be that something happens later on. I don't know. Uh, that you don't feel as comfortable with that child or with a child you always felt comfortable with, but then they may have other issues. Let's say right. that they had, let's say that they're on that joint account and they had a marital problem. Mm-hmm. Well, if they're going, if they go through a divorce, do you think that the spouse might not try to claim that that asset is part of the, should be part of the divorce proceedings? Uh, so there's that runs that risk. And even if they didn't, and let's say was, they hadn't even gone through the divorce, but they're going and getting ready to get divorced or whatever, there's some sort of marital problem. And let's say the child had named their spouse as their agent under a financial power of attorney. Well, maybe that we hear all the time about how one spouse tries to clean out the other spouse before they file for divorce. So they, if they have a power of attorney, um, so you, so parent has child on the account. Child gives a power of attorney to their spouse. Spouse and child don't get along. Your account might be wiped out. Uh, so that's a risk that you run as well. And I'll tell you one more. Um, for Medicaid, uh, for Medicaid, they presume if somebody applies for Medicaid, like long-term care Medicaid, in other words, where the government helps pay for long-term care costs, the government presumes if your name is on the account, it's all yours. So let's say the child had all the put all the money in the account. The government, you know, Medicaid's means tested before they'll pay for care costs. Uh, they um, uh, will look at all your assets. So if child put all this money into an account, it's going to be presumed it's all the applicant's money, which could jeopardize Medicaid unless you could prove. So the burden of proof is on the applicant. The burden of proof is to prove it was all the money of the child. Hmm. Otherwise, there's public benefits. Yeah. Another thing that could be a problem with a joint account is could be, uh, let's say, uh, you know, let's say you have an individual account and you died. Uh, then you get typically right now what's called a step up in basis. A step up in basis. In other words, let's say I had a, an investment account and you had Google stock, uh, and let's assume that Google goes up during your lifetime, and uh, went up from $100 a share to $500 a share. If you held that stock until you died, then uh, then it would you get what's called a step-up. You won't have to pay capital gains tax on the appreciation. But if it's a joint account, you may have lost that because they may say, well, that was kind of like a gift during lifetime. And so, therefore, you would have... Uh, lost that step up. Could be also a lack of planning if you have a larger estate for state taxes, and uh, as well as well as uh, you know, there could be gift tax issues as, as well. So before, I guess the uh, so on the first question was, should I have uh, all my assets in joint accounts with another person, or have my assets jointly owned with another person? I'm not saying that you should or shouldn't. But I want people to realize the ramifications of the decision because it could be uh, not exactly as you had hoped. It's hard, Michael. You're you're a sole practitioner. You have your own business. You've been an attorney for many decades now. You specialize in elder law and estate planning and government assistance. I never asked you this because I don't really know the answer. And that is, have you ever had a partner in business? You know, 
um, I've had associates and will continue to have associates, and I'll probably my goal in, uh, later on as I uh, as I become an elder elder law attorney is to have eventually have somebody uh, take over uh, for my business. However, sure. the answer is I like being in control of my own destiny, and uh, candidly, I just that's just me. So um, so the answer is at this point the answer is no. And really, at any point, you've never had a partner, so you don't necessarily believe in um, a partnership uh, or ownership when it comes to the assets, because that can just portend so many problems. Well, I just try to, you know, it's kind of like you, a lot of people say, keep the KISS principle, keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I, I try to keep it simple, so I try to uh, eliminate the issues that often come with joint of anything. Right. Now, it doesn't mean I don't have some joint accounts with my spouse, because I do, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying that there are things that you have to consider uh, when you look at any type of uh, ownership or asset, and it's not a right or wrong answer for anybody, by the way. I'm not trying to say you should always have individual accounts, right. because individual accounts might equal probate. Um, I'm just saying that well, I think that most people should at least consider the issues and see if it's what they want based on knowing all the facts. And I think mm-hmm. that, unfortunately, uh, you know, here we rattle off, I don't know how many different potential issues with just a joint ownership, probably rattle off about eight or ten different things that could go wrong. And I would think I would venture to say that most people don't realize those problems. Yeah. Well, um, then take it from me as a business owner, you don't want uh, to be in partnership because then you, whatever you do, major, minor, or mini, you more likely than not have to ask somebody else if it's acceptable. And not only that, maybe get their permission to do it. And that's extra time. It's extra money. It's extra frustration if they don't agree with you. So that's why I never did it. And I only ask God and Sarah and um, not Sarah all the time because a lot of things don't concern her. But it's just easier that way, and uh, maybe that's the way they should go when it comes to their estate and the planning thereof. But to get an official answer, what's that, Mike? I was going to say, I mean, I'm not telling everybody should always be individual. Right. Uh, I'm saying that some people should have, uh, you know, partnership is good. It has lots of different benefits, so I'm not trying Mm -hmm. to suggest that. Uh, right. So I think that's an individual situation, and a lot of times things are more profitable. You have more people, et cetera. And so I no. certainly understand that. I just want to keep it simple. Yeah, no, I understand that, and uh, I see where there are those advantages. But I'm saying, and if I haven't already, more often than not, it seems like it's better, if you can afford it, to be independent. Um, but, you know, that's the point of Michael's workshops. That's why he has those for you to attend those online currently and have been since the beginning, basically, of 2020, um, for you to attend those workshops uh, via Zoom to ask a question about your individual circumstances that Michael almost invariably can answer and guide you in the right direction. And then hopefully that direction, in my opinion, would be to meet with him privately to go over your personal circumstances and ask even more questions, which he calls a vision meeting. So, Michael, uh, the next workshop that you're going to have is coming up on Tuesday, November the 30th at 1 o'clock. Tell everybody about what you do at those workshops. We ask people what they want to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we say, what do you want to know? Is it about state planning? Is it about Medicaid? Is it about VA benefits? What is it that you want to know? Is it about wills? Is it about trust? Is it about powers of attorney? 
whatever it is that you want to know. And people ask all sorts of different questions. They're different at each workshop. And we've been doing these workshops now for nine years, nine wow. years now. Wow. Uh, so, so every, and we do them, you know, we had one earlier in November. Uh, so we usually have them a couple times a month, although I don't know that we'll do that in December because of Christmas. But mm-hmm. the, uh, and this next workshop, of course, is right after Thanksgiving. But the, we ask people what they want to know. Uh, you'll learn something from the questions that others ask. We will have a presentation as well to give the basics, to have some basic understanding for uh, a lot of the things that most people may or may not know. Uh, and then um, uh, we answer the questions either at the beginning or during. You could ask them at any time. Uh, and even if you haven't answer, asked all the questions that you want, then like you just said, if you attend the free estate planning essentials workshop, then we also give you the opportunity to have a free vision meeting where we meet with you personally uh, for one hour uh, and look at your own individual situation to answer whatever questions you may have without any obligations. It's absolutely free. So in other words, you get three free hours of uh, legal education without any obligation to answer your questions that uh, make sure that things are the way that you want. You're protecting yourself and your family from either disability, death, protecting them from all the different types of things that could go on in life, uh, or whatever the questions that may be that you might have regarding estate planning. To go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, all you have to do is call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102 or sign up online at Dallas, D-A-L-L-A-S, elderlawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. And then we'll, you know, then you'll just be a part of hopefully many that will be a part of that Zoom workshop. It's virtual right now. Uh, we see that, you know, that uh, although I feel free that, you know, we're still meeting with people at the office if they would like, um, Right now, there's numbers going around the state that are not necessarily in Texas, but in some states are thinking that as it gets colder that um, numbers might be getting worse on yeah. the pandemic again. And so we're still being safe at this time, uh, but uh, so it will be virtual. It's very simple. We tell you, even if you don't know how to use Zoom, we, we, we give you instructions on how, what to do. And you could just pick up your laptop or your iPhone, and it's very simple. It's just a click. Uh, to do that again is to call that 214-720-0102 number or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. You know, it's interesting, Mike, that uh, as you were talking, it occurred to me um, that the obvious happens so often with people in general, and I think it is just human nature, whether you are the recipient or the individual with the estate. But it just seems like, it feels like a lot of times... Um, there's, of course, forgiveness at all times, but especially in the end, if someone goes rogue, goes prodigal son, then comes back, um, they are forgiven and they're brought back into the family fold and they be, then become beneficiaries of the estate, et cetera, et cetera, where the common theme seems to be, what have you done for me lately? And what have you done for me recently? And if you aren't in good standing, uh, recently you're in big trouble. You know, um, you're absolutely right, and I could tell you a few different situations just this past week. One was a, uh, quite frankly, 
the parent didn't like the political beliefs of the uh, child. And so instead of giving an equal share to that child, uh, they gave it to the grandchildren, skip over the child just because mm. they can't get along politically. Oh uh, and then, yeah, well, I mean, this is the way the world is today, isn't it? And yeah. then I had somebody else where the um, the son had been always, whenever mom called, uh, he would stop what he was doing, stop work, come to the house, take care of her. But during the pandemic, he bought a lake house and um, uh, decided to be out work remotely. And he couldn't mm. do that stuff. Well, mom was upset. So now she also gave him a lesser share after all these years being in, you know, here he was in his 50s uh, and been taking care of her for some time. But unfortunately, that was not satisfactory. Another person had, uh, uh, the, the parent was ill and she didn't like that the son, uh, the daughter was not coming over, taking care of her, asking about her enough. So she cut her out. Mm. Uh, so, so you're right. Um, and I could go, I could, the list could go on, uh, but you got the, you got it absolutely uh, right. And that is a lot of times people are saying, what have you done for me lately? Yeah. And I haven't, on the other hand, uh, somebody, like you said, I think we may have even mentioned this before, uh, that it was giving everything to the church. And then all of a sudden they started getting along with the uh, son-in-law and daughter and, uh, they decided to give them the majority of the state. Now, so things change yeah. um, as 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 we you know life is not always the same, and right. so we you know do whatever it is, and you know it's all it's there's no God given right to anybody to get anything, mm-hmm. but uh, but you're right, you're absolutely right. Could be what have you done for me lately? I had a dinner with my friend in California. You know him; he's uh, the attorney in San Diego, and he was talking to me about a book. I think it was called The Four Agreements or the four arguments or something about life and people and, and how the book really impacted him. And, um, and there were four theories or four schools of thought regarding life. And one of those is um, what I completely agree with um, based on my Christian values. And that is you should not ever judge people because you can't be in their shoes. You don't know what they've gone through, what they're, what they've realized um, the struggles that they've had, whether, whether they were four years old or 84 years old. So therefore, don't judge uh, whether, again, it's the beneficiary, it's the prodigal son, it's the person who's been gone for 30 years, and the parent gladly accept, accepts them back into the household, and they get the lion's share of the estate when they die. And it's hard to do that, Michael, because we have uh, that human nature in us, and it can be overly greedy at times, or we may decry the unfairness of a decision. But that's how we need to conduct ourselves, as hard as it is. Everybody needs to do what they think is best, you know. Um, and I don't know. Uh, you go by the different principles. I think you just do what you think is the right thing. And yeah. uh, that's I, I, to me, it's just do the right thing. And if you do the right thing, then um, I don't know. It, it seems to be that you get uh, rewarded, even if it's not done for purposes of getting rewarded. So, I mean, there's lots of different things. A lot of people get all... Um, been out of shape on for one thing or another, but do what you think is right. Live mm-hmm. the way you feel like that you think is best for you. Uh, that may not be right. Maybe other people may disagree, but mm-hmm. you only live once. Yep, so. definitely. Go by the truth. So about three minutes left, Michael. What do you want to cover in the last two minutes before we wrap well, up the another, show? 
Okay, I'll, I'll just do a few things. Uh, since uh, There's a lot more things I'd like to cover, but obviously I won't. Uh, do I need a will, even if you have a small amount? There are, there are things called small estates affidavits if your estate's less than 75000 but mm-hmm. um, but it may not go the way you want. Then that means things will go by laws of intestacy, like we were talking about earlier uh, about the home. Right. Uh, if you have a spouse and things like that, it may not go. You might you may have to get the permission of the deceased spouse's kids to sell the property. You wouldn't even get all the money. So, uh, or it could be that there's, um, you know, again, there could we had a case where somebody even had a trust, but they they fully funded the trust, which means they put the assets in the trust to avoid probate. That's a common thing that people want to do because they want to go make their own rules as opposed to uh, the state's rules, mm-hmm. uh, and seem like that did everything because the biggest mistake that people have make rather is when having a living trust is failing to retitle the assets. In this case, they retitled all the assets, but you still have to have a will in case there's something else goes wrong. Either you didn't put something in there or, or in the case that we had recently, there was the person died as a, uh, as a result of a personal injury accident. Well, the personal injury attorney needed an executor of the estate to be able to collect the funds from the personal injury accident. So then the assets would then pour into the trust. Hmm. So even if you have a trust, you need to have a will uh, just to be on the safe side because sometimes bad things happen. Right. Uh, the other question that some people, you know, that we were, that people get confused about is just because you have a will doesn't mean that you don't have to probate the will. Now, it's sometimes you don't probate the will if there's, if let's say there was all these joint accounts, et cetera, and, uh, then possibly, uh, uh, and there was no real estate, then possibly, uh, or even if it is, uh, it depends on the factual situation, uh, if there, you know, if it goes consistent with the laws of intestacy or not. Mm-hmm. But the uh, a lot of times probate can be avoided in a lot of different ways, not only beneficiary designations or sometimes joint accounts, but also a living trust. But the problem is that you need to fund the assets, that is, retitle the assets. And what about if you have an out-of-state will? Uh, a lot of times are valid. should be checked by the in-state will, uh, in-state attorney. And we see a lot of people coming from California here to Texas. They wonder if the will is good, if it's in California or other states. Uh, most important thing is we look to make sure if different little things in there, like does the, is there a power to sell? Is there independent administration? So to make expenses less than if it um, than it may say in other states. So in t- each state has their own. The will is probably going to be valid if it was done by an attorney in another state. However, it may be more expenses if not done according to Texas law. Very good. Uh, we appreciate the education today. Um, you, the holidays are coming. Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, New Year's. You're going to get together with family, siblings. You're going to have to talk about estate planning, especially regarding your parents. Be prepared for that by attending Michael's next workshop, which is Tuesday, November the 30th uh, at 1 o'clock. Dial 214-720-0102 or go to DallasElderLawyer.com. Michael Cohen, we thank you, sir. Thank you and happy Thanksgiving. Leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. 
That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call them by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.